Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes and Danny Brams. We're at a new location. We're here at Brakeman's Coffee and Supply on North Trade Street in the historic downtown area of Matthews, North Carolina. Is this the first show that we haven't done in Charlotte? Made it to Matthews. Uh, yeah, I think we were going to do, like, one time we had plans to do, like, an episode on the drive back from Atlanta or something like that. Didn't come to fruition. We're on the lot drive back from D.C. We were going to do an episode one time. That didn't come to fruition. This might be, you know, we I know, shout out Level Up Luke. He's been trying to get us to come down to, to South Carolina to tape an episode for over a year now. Sorry we haven't pulled that off yet, Luke, but it is in the cards. I've been to Replay Brewing. At least I've so, been yeah. there. You've been I, there too. I've, I've been to watch parties with uh, with Southbound and Crown at Replay Brewing. I love that place. But uh, we haven't recorded there. But we're recording in Matthews today and it feels great. I love Breakman's. This is a great little coffee shop right next to Seaboard Brewing. I, 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 just, I wish Matthews was like a little bit closer to Charlotte. I would come here all the time. But if it was a little bit closer to Charlotte, it probably wouldn't be this, this great as it is. Well, it's I mean, considering it's like the first town outside of Charlotte's... Uh, east, <laughs> eastern border. I'd say it's pretty close. I'm in my bubble. I'm living. In, I'm living in my my south end, and, west side, uptown bubble. I guess. And I've done episodes from Las Vegas, True. from Denver. That's a good and point. You, you've done episodes from uh, yeah, the Emerald Isle, the Emerald Isle from Ireland. But there's always been somebody with boots on the ground right. in actual yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, but, terra firma, baby. Uh, we're, we're happy to be here in historic downtown Matthews. We're we're happy to be it. here. Uh, to discuss Charlotte FC's 0-0 draw I don't love that. on Saturday night at the Fortress against D.C. United. We're going to get into that match. We're going to preview the Philly match on Wednesday night. It's a midweek mm-hmm. huge match for the Crown against an Eastern Conference rival, a team that they beat at home last season 4-0. I think it was in that match. Danny Rios, all four goals. Will Danny Rios have a, a chance to score that many goals again no. on Wednesday night? Maybe never again in his career. He's been kind of uh, vilified at, at Chivas as a, as a missed signing. They, call, they think he's a lemon, unfortunately. So let me ask you a question. Is Danny Rios better than Enzo Capetti? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the question that I go to sleep uh, every night, you know, tossing and turning and thinking about, unfortunately, uh, especially as Philadelphia comes back around to town. He certainly was as productive for point per dollar, you know, point per dollar, pound for pound. I'd have to give it to Rios. Uh, but then again, you have to consider, are, which, are we comparing Danny Rios versus Philadelphia Union? Or, you know, are we comparing Enzo Capetti in real life or Enzo Capetti in his own mind? You know, we got to figure out which version of these guys we're dealing we're, with. We're, um, we're debating the version of the guy that is, like, in the box about to score a goal. Right. Like, which guy actually is able to get on the end of a, a ball and put it into the back of the net in the most efficient way possible? When it comes to standing in the box, <laughs> Enzo fits the bill, for sure. So, I think that's the first topic we need to start with here. And we're, we're going to get into uh, a lot of topics on the show, but, you know, I, and I'm, I'm making that uh, Danny Rios, Enzo Capetti comment tongue-in-cheek. But something that I know is on your mind that I want to get your thoughts on is Christian Latanzio's decision to start both Enzo Capetti and Kyle Swiderski in the match 
against DC. And I want to ask you specifically, where does yeah. this decision fall on the scale of Brent Bronico at left back <laughs> and Derek Jones at central attacking midfield? So that's like the from the worst to the best uh, crazy <laughs> experimentations. Yes. A lot of traffic here in downtown Matthews on Trade Street, by the way. Who would have thought? Um, historic downtown Matthews, as you noted. Um, I love Derek Jones as an eight. I thought it was inspired. It was beautiful against LAFC. It worked. Um, haven't seen it be as successful since then. But hey, at least you did it once. Well, uh, Brand Bronico was horrible. So at left back. So to get to the heart of the question, sorry, did you have a follow up? Has Derek Jones ever played eight besides that one match? Probably. <laughs> no, that was. I, I think. I think that was a one and done. He, he, didn't he put? He posted the same. Didn't we run it back the same way? And Jones was like really not as good in the same role. I don't know against don't, Orlando, know. right? Either way, in it's only rain. happened a couple yeah, times. It's yeah, not like yeah. it's happened I, a, a handful of times, maybe uh, twice. Right. My memory, like uh, my memories, all jumble together. And then at the end of the season, I kind of go back and like parse everything together. So right now, I'm in the jumble phase. Let's just admit <laughs> it. Um, but uh, whether it's beer or coffee that I'm slamming on this show, I sometimes still get the details wrong. But um, so here's the deal. There's not necessarily wrong to put Enzo and Carroll on the, on the pitch together. We, we, we want that. I would say when they're not on the pitch together, I'm wondering why we can't make that work because there are two highest paid players. If they can't play together, then that by default makes the Enzo signing a mistake in my opinion because you can't have your highest paid player be a bench player and you can't have your second highest paid player be a bench player. So if one of those two guys is on the bench, then you fucked up somewhere. So uh, I think... I think um, is Patrick Ajman making like I think he's making like seventy five k this season? I, I I let's just put it this way: if Patrick Ajman was here sitting with us at the table right now at Brakeman's Coffee and Supply, I'd be picking up the tab for all the coffees. Okay, <laughs> like, you know, no, no disrespect to Patrick, uh, but but I, I wouldn't mind, and I'm not exactly rich, but um, uh, what I think is Carol and Enzo need to figure out how to play together. It was absolutely disgusting to me the way that these guys showed so many instances of a lack of chemistry on the pitch and inability to work together. It was almost like Carroll said, I don't care where Latanzio has lined me up on this pitch. I'm the striker for this team. I'm going to go. I don't care what you do, Enzo. Enzo, you go just do Enzo yourself all over the place. I'm going to go play striker for Charlotte FC and see what happens. And I don't care where the coach told me to play. And that's kind of like, that's what it seemed like Carroll's mentality was in this DC United game. And then Enzo's doing his thing. So they led to multiple times and multiple instances where these guys are like trying to receive passes in the same area. They're standing on top of each other in the box. And you and you called out the heat map situation. Yeah, the heat maps almost look like clones of each other, except for that uh, you know slightly different red marks in different spots, but all the same like areas are shaded in on the pitch. They're they're obviously like trying to occupy the same space. I call it two guys trying to play the same position at the same time. It doesn't work, you know. So. So that could, you could say that's a flaw of Carroll's mentality if he really did allow himself to fall into that, you know, like F the coach, F Enzo, I'm going to go be the striker because I like being striker. That does, that did, that, that's a, oh, you can criticize Carroll, I think, for even if that wasn't in it, I don't want to put thoughts in his head, but that was the end result of like how it looked, it played. That's what I observed on the pitch is what it looked like, whether, no matter what he was thinking. So there's that. Enzo, well, Enzo's and, a mess. And, and for what I it's mean, worth, uh, Carol Swiderski only had eight minutes on the pitch without Enzo Capetti. Christian Latanzio mm-hmm. sub Patrick Ajemong in for Enzo Capetti mm-hmm. at the 78-minute mark, and then Carol Swiderski comes out in the 86th minute mm-hmm. for Kerwin Vargas. Yeah, and, you know, 
we love to see Kerwin come in. Uh, you know, he's been kind of phased out lately with the reemergence of Bender. Um, I don't know. I, I just want to see Carolyn and Enzo work together, but you almost have to do like a 4-4-2 or you have to... So what, what I think would work is... But I'll tell you why it won't work. <laughs> How about that? Uh, I was like, ooh. Then, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You think of a million gifts in reaction to that. But uh, what would work in my mind is to quote-unquote... Put Carol on the wing since Latanzio's married to 433. He's, I, I, he's, not he's not doing 442. He's not doing 442. I would put him on the left wing because he's left footed, but I mean. Uh, let me, let me, let but me. It, but you jump in. I've been talking a lot. I don't want to. No, no. Yeah. All I'm going to say is, is I, 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 I want to jump in about the wing conversation sure, here specifically because I've been thinking about this as well. Okay. And I've thought about this through a player that I really admire who has been playing. Very, very well this year in the Premier League. Love that. And it's Kulisevsky for Spurs. Dejan. Who's a left-footed right winger. When he cuts into that left foot, yeah, he's unstoppable. Right. And you'd think Carroll could do that. You remember we did play Carroll at right wing for maybe one, two games, and he just didn't really seem to buy into it. But I think what you do is you, you nominally, as they would say, line him up as your right wing, let's say. Fine, right wing's fine with me. But really, he's playing as that shadow striker. And he's not necessarily expected to hold down a right wing in any type of possession or defense but like he can come from the right side cutting into the box like you said like you see with Kulusevsky and others like so yeah I, I love that idea of like letting Enzo think Carroll is the right wing then telling Carroll you're the second striker basically and that's why it won't work that's why that's what I think would work but why it won't work is because you're really like you're definitely like being too clever by half when you have two guys that you have to like in my mind give them opposing instructions on the pitch be like okay Enzo you go do this and then you go like Carol actually Enzo's gonna think he's you're doing this but you're actually gonna do this like that's the way I see it's the only way it would work because I have an example of why these guys cannot work together but what's your first response well I, I need to ask a couple questions briefly all right. all right hit me first and foremost does Enzo Capetti speak any English I, I haven't I haven't heard him speak English I would guess he speaks better English than, I, than my Spanish, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, who knows? And the, the reason why I ask that question is I'm trying to understand the communication between Carlos Federsky and Enzo Capetti. Mm-hmm. Like, what communication is there? That, you've, got two guys, you've got two guys who have English as their second, second language. Mm-hmm. Are they having just a trouble, a basic issue communicating with, right. with another? Is, is, that a, is that a problem? That's a valid question that we may never get an answer to, but I wish we knew. So I, 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 I'm curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was curious why Enzo Capetti had never give up <laughs> in English right. on his undershirt when right. he scored that goal. I figured that would be in Spanish. Well, what was interesting Considering was, he prefers that language and speaks on his Twitch stream every day in his well, no, he's, native he's tongue. Give, he's abandoned the Twitch stream. So oh, he has. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, wonder, I wonder if that I'm, came from the manager. Told him, someone told him, I think, to stop doing it, yeah. Who knows? But uh, the other thing about that Never Give Up shirt, it was in sort of like the official um, Charlotte FC font. It was yes. like in the font of the um, of the jersey numbers. Right. So he had to have that made somehow. Like, that was a custom job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, so yeah, I think... If I was like trying to psychoanalyze, I would say maybe Enzo. That was a that was a step towards the direction of trying to connect with right. knowing he's in a, a, a bilingual country or that's like leans toward English, speaking the main language. Hope I don't upset anyone there, but that's what I feel. 
Um, well, I mean, it's not that. I mean, you may have upset me. <laughs> I mean, I know there's. We're bound to have people that say, you know, English is the official language of the United States. That's fine. I, I, we're not here to debate that. But there's a lot of Spanish speakers here. That's what I will say. Yes. Um, um, I do think that could have been a step towards the direction of Enzo saying, hey, you know, I'm going to put this shirt in English because I'm in a majority English country and I want to, you know, I do want to connect with yeah. the fans if I'm, if I'm trying the, the, to be given the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm having my, well, I'm, my, my tongue in my cheek when it comes to the, the undershirt. I'm just kidding around about mm-hmm. that, but I'm being dead serious about the lack of communication between those two players. 100%, yeah. Well, it goes to, uh, it goes to show this moment. The moment that really sealed the deal for me, if you will. Okay. And it was uh, the penalty show. So, first off, I think the we should have had a penalty. Yeah, the handball. I don't know why that... I never really got a good explanation as to why that wasn't a penalty. I, I have not rewatched on TV, so I would think that maybe uh, they just said it was a, it was unnecessary because it came off... It was like the ball hit his foot, then his hand, so maybe they ruled, like, you know, he unavoidable. Maybe, like... It, his hand, it seemed a natural position. His hand was like flying way high above his body, so it seemed like it was unnatural. It, it falls into that category of defender in the box makes a slide tackle. What is he doing? He has to brace his fall. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing with your arms you in throw that your situation? Arm up and bounce. Yeah, like yeah. a cat's tail. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. it falls into that category, yeah. but yeah. And then and then it, and it's that's the craziest moment of the game, obviously. And we can get into sort of the whole unacceptability of not scoring after we finish this whole uh, diatribe. But just. So we should have had a penalty, let's say. It was at least worth a look. They called penalty and went to go look at it, right? So we think we're getting a penalty. Carroll thought it was a penalty he instantly. I'm watching this from the supporters' end, and, and, like, this is the benefit of being in the stadium because I know none of this was shown on TV. I haven't watched back, like I said, but I can guarantee none of this was shown because I know how broadcasts work. They're going to be showing the ref and showing some replays. I'm locked in on Carroll Swiderski, uh, you know, across the stadium for me, holding the ball under his arm, instantly grabbed it. Started pacing around the box, circling the spot, just kind of lurking, almost like, you know, like Jungle Cat, like getting ready to get his penalty, thinking he's about to take a penalty kick. And the whole time Enzo's like following him around and uh, almost, you know, I described it elsewhere as like as like a little puppy dog, just like hoping to catch some crumbs, just hoping, you know, if that if that big uh, morsel of meat falls down from from the table down down to the floor, he's going to be able to uh, to. If Carroll drops the ball for just a second, he's going to grab it and he's going to get to take the penalty. And it led to, there's this picture, I think Tobin90 posted this on Instagram, There's of them, someone snapped a photo and posted it of uh, those two looking at each other in the box and like smiling. And like they got these big cheesy grins like looking at each other. And I'm like, those look like the fakest smiles I've ever seen. You can't, you can't say that that picture means that they communicate well and that they were all cool with each other because they were not cool with each other trust me i know i watched the entire sequence like play out and like it was almost like they they had to smile to keep from like socking each other and giving a knuckle sandwich you know it was, it was like it was like almost like an ironic smile on both of their parts so i don't buy the smiles this is where this is where danny I, I need to be honest with you right this is where the charlotte soccer show kind of differentiate differentiates itself from uh, a lot of the other content out there and um We've got a big problem. We've got a big fucking problem. Yeah. And it's because... Those two can't play together, yes. basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Saturday night, to score no goals with both of those players on the pitch together mm-hmm. for more than 75 minutes is mm-hmm. is just is downright unacceptable. And the reason why we didn't score any goals is because they were both on the pitch together at the same time. Yeah. I guarantee you, if one of them only... I don't care which one. 
If it was Carroll that started at striker without Enzo on the pitch, or Enzo at striker without Carroll on the pitch, I guarantee you we would have scored a goal. I think if we win that three nothing easily with both of them score, whichever one came as a sub would have scored the third goal as a sub. You know, they're both quality, talented players. They can't play together. That's I'm. That's my verdict at this point. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And the the major issue that this club has right now is just the lack of play on the wing, where mm-hmm. Breck Diagre is somebody mm-hmm. that is being asked to play a winger position. When he's more of an eight. And he yes, yes, you know? he's somebody that can play as a ten that sits in that box mm-hmm. in that hole behind the striker. Mm-hmm. That what Carol Sudersky is doing in that match, Breck Diagre should be and doing. And one of Breck's so like just you know I don't usually get technical on this show. I'm more vibes, but just I'm thinking here like I have some technical yeah. knowledge. And I'm thinking Breck. He's, what's one of his biggest skills is his dribbling ability, his ability to like move in traffic. So you're playing him on the wing, you're pinning him against the sideline, taking away directions he can go. You put him in the center of the pitch and he gets the ball, suddenly he's omnidirectional. He can go left, he can go right. right. He's not pinned up against the sideline, unable to move. And you'll see it because every time he gets the ball, he cuts inside to he the does. center circle and like tries to find space. Right, and, and unfortunately it was Bram Bronico who's, who's being played in the center of the pitch who mm-hmm. ultimately found himself inside the 18-yard box in threatening dangerous Multiple positions times. to score, and that's not his skill set. Right. Again, right. asking a player who's a central defensive midfielder to contribute in the opposition's right. penalty area, typically, and, and, and to criticize him for, for not being able to come through, yeah, sure, there was, there was opportunities there for, for Brandt to get the job done. I think he's been done, a scapegoat by, from a lot of people, you know. He, made, he didn't play great. It's easy to to see those chances missed and, and criticize Brant Bronico for that and and say that he should be taken out of the lineup. And I think there could be an argument there because if if you looked at the the options that Christian Latanzio had on Saturday against DC United, I think that there was legitimately eighteen players on the roster that could have been selected in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That goes back to the old people's market pod we did at the, at the start of the year where we said there was 18 guys worth starting, I think, right? Or was it 20? Did I say 20, yeah. I think? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It was yeah, close. Yeah. yeah. But but there but there really was. Yeah. And my the, the, the most interesting thing I that I kind of checked myself on Saturday before the match when the lineup was announced. I was talking to Bridget McCall, host of the Queen's Pitch. A great podcast here in town. Fantastic interview with Andrew Privet. Uh, great job with that. Uh, appreciate that. Getting to know Privet a little bit on that podcast episode, Penn State. <laughs> and I said, if you know Derek Jones starts, we're gonna win. Yeah. And then the lineup comes out, and Derek yeah. Jones isn't in there. And I thought to myself, man, after the match, mm-hmm. did Christian Latanzio get it wrong? And I think he, I think he did, and he's got to get it right on Wednesday. I do think he got it wrong. But it's like it's so close to being right, and it's like if the system works. The thing is, we dominated that game. That's the that's where I'm coming down. Like, this is where I think you and I have a little bit of a divide in our reaction to what happened because you used the word unacceptable at one point, and I, and I understand like it may be it may be unacceptable mathematically mm-hmm. in terms of like it may have, it may be just those might be the two points that keep us out of the playoffs. <laughs> Although there's the two points against Nashville, the two points against Orlando, you, you start. You start wondering which of two points are the actual ones that did it. But at the same point, I get what you're saying. At the same time, it's so much more fun to watch this team play as a sub- supporter and as a, a fan who goes to the games and devotes so much time to like watching this squad take yeah. the field. I'm having way more fun in the second half of the season watching my team play really well 
than I did in the first half of the season where we would sometimes play good but sometimes look absolutely atrocious and like unwatchable. Right. The, the, the so team is like, they're able to keep yeah. up their good play for 90 minutes. Yeah. Right. And it's clear from my point of view that Breck Diagre is one of the best players on the team. Right. I, I think he's maybe the best player on the team with the ball you at his feet. You think he misused though? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, and that's by the way um, kind of like a constant theme yeah. for new players that come into this squad right. who should be making impacts. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a Latanzio thing of like, well, you've been this, but I'm going to make you that. And it's like sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. It works has worked out with Andrew Privet. It hasn't always worked with Carol Swiderski. It has not always. It's not working in my mind or in your mind with Greg Diagra. Like, let me just push it back. Didn't work with left back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody knows that. We we um. I, let me just push back a little bit on the idea of dominating the game. Okay. And I think there's one reason why. Okay. Right that Charlotte FC did not dominate that game. It's because of striker play. Christian Benteke was absolutely phenomenal was dangerous for DC game. in yeah. this game. Yeah. And and it, it, it showed what a good striker can do for a club. He expected goals in this game, Charlotte FC and DC United, both at .99, both right at one goals. Shots on target, DC six, Charlotte two. Yeah, what's the total shots? Total shots, 14-14. Yeah, and our second shot on goal, I believe, was in second half stoppage time. It was right at, right at the end. So we had one shot on goal, really, the whole match in, in reality. But but, but um, you're right. Pose- ball possession is Charlotte FC's. We're dominating the ball 62%, right. and it's not meaningless possession. And we're forcing teams, the way teams, the only way teams can attack us is they have to send long balls, and then Byrne and Milanda have been really good at, at, at tracking back to, to, to shut those down. It's a little bit dangerous way to play. I, I never like when I see... You know, uh, our one of our defenders in a foot race towards a ball down into the open corner against an attacker. But so far, those have been working out for us pretty well. We, we've been able to get it back. I think uh, Benteke was great. Uh, he thankfully didn't bicycle kick us this time. Did have a freaking super powerful header that Kalina fingertipped it. Kalina was man of the match for this fingertip save. I think uh, that 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 saved a point. Kalina definitely saved us a point in this match. I know everyone wants to hate on Kalina about his distribution or whatever. I mean, as long. If, if I, I'd rather have clean and kicking long balls to Enzo that, that turn into throw-ins for us eventually than, you know, eventually clean a lot. Some of Kalina's long balls do go out of bounds when he tries to hit the sideline, but if he just kicks it down to the center to Enzo, I really have no problem with that. Rather than, rather than him looking like Bambi, you know, on ice, you know, like trying to maybe, maybe yeah. slide it up to Westwood, who's got two guys collapsing on him and stuff like that, playing it out of the back. I, we, we have... I feel like we're due, sadly, for like a playing it out of the back air goes wrong at some point in a critical moment where some stupid little uh, short pass gets goes awry. I hope that doesn't happen, but I just like the more you try that style, you just you know, the longer the longer you live on the razor's edge, the closer you come to falling off. So uh, we've seen it many, many times before with this squad. <laughs> so I wouldn't surprise you if it happens again. I hope it doesn't, because Wednesday night's match against Philadelphia at home yeah. is just an, an insanely important match, considering on Saturday. The Eastern Conference and MLS point leaders, Cincinnati, yeah. are waiting for Charlotte yeah. to come to their go place on Saturday. Yeah. So, one point in this match, right. if there's a draw in this match or even a loss in this match, yeah. you're talking about possibly one point out of nine 
over I the know. span of this week. That's not going to do and, it. And you have to understand, and, and I, I want to just, just, just say that, right? Like one point out of nine potentially if Charlotte FC loses at home against a good Philadelphia team, who, by the way, is fifth in MLS, and then on the road at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. who is first in MLS. If you lose both of those matches and take one point out of nine with a healthy roster like this, it's spells it spells the end of the season. I'm with you on all of that. Um, if I could just provide some optimism nuggets, yeah, yeah, uh, to, please to, do. to throw into this uh, yeah, stew yeah. Of, of urgency here, I'll just say Jack Elliott, one of the best center backs in MLS, red card last match for Philly. He's going to be out. That's, that's helpful. That's helpful to us. They 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 have a not only is he one of the best, but he and uh, Jacob Glesnes, the Norwegian, form one of the best partnerships. They communicate better than any center back pairing in the league so uh, him being out is going to be helpful to us uh philadelphia i think they have already played three or four more games in 2023 than they played in 2022 and that 2022 was a year where they went to the mls cup final so they played all the extra playoff games so because of champions league and league's cup philadelphia is worn down and grinded down uh they played way more matches than any of these players have been used to uh in recent years for that club so there's a reason to think that you know they come down they're mad about the turf. They're mad about they've been in somewhat bad form. I think they've won two of three, but but if you look at their last ten, I think it's not as great. Okay. Something along those lines is right. It's not a, probably precisely correct, but it's around there. They're not as hot. So what I would say is Philadelphia was a team that, even though they're still very good, they're not at full strength right now. So we hope. DC United is hosting Atlanta. On Wednesday night, and we have to cheer for Atlanta on that one, sadly. Yes, we do. And Columbus is hosting Chicago, so that should be an easy Columbus win. Um, excuse me, I should I, I got that wrong. I got that totally wrong. Uh, DC United is hosting Atlanta, and uh, Columbus is hosting Chicago. I still like the same results. So it's it's a, it's a big opportunity for the Charlotte FC squad. I want to spin this forward to, to Wednesday night's match, and based on the conversation that we've had already. Uh, ask what kind of changes, if any, that right. you're hoping for. So, I think with it being a midweek match, I think we can probably see Lindsay come in. JL24, he's fresh off the Charlotte Soccer Show bump. Yes. He's ready to get in. Uh, Burns played great. There, there's really, we actually have three really good fullbacks now, I really think. Yere uh, has, has shown out and shown why we went to go get him. Burn has really adjusted to the league and sort of figured out a style that fits for him in this in this squad in this system that I think is useful. Yep. And then Lindsay, I think, just is someone that needs to keep getting minutes. So you talk about another. We did three games in seven days oh, two weeks ago. Then we had a break. We got three games in seven days again. I think we could see old man Burn rested for Lindsay. So we'll see. I think Scott Arfield might start too. I'd like to see Arfield start. I think we we hinted at it before. You know, it always feels. Like just you gotta be transparent, right? You gotta be like honest with the audience and anybody that knows this show and follows the show already knows this, so it'd be stupid of me not to at least acknowledge it. I love Brain Bronico. He's awesome guy. We've gone to both Brawny Bro parties that he's sponsored. We've had a chance to like talk to him like one on one as people. And so you get to know a player for your club and you feel like a, a little bit of a tighter bond with them that they're more than just a cog in the machine that of whatever. So I can't sit here and say, Oh, you know, get Bronico out of there. That would be disingenuous, and I would just feel bad because I, I would feel bad about – I would feel like a liar because I've been like – I'd always try to be right. cool with Bronico whenever I see him. You know right. what I'm saying? So I would just feel dishonest if I if I was like, he's got to go. At the same time, having acknowledged all of that, I think we have a chance to put out a stronger 11 that doesn't have him in it against Philadelphia uh, on Wednesday. So uh, that's the nicest way I can talk around someone who – 
Ronnie doesn't know me or doesn't I'm not saying I like consider him a friend but I just knowing the way I've like tried to be friendly towards him in the past you know what I'm saying well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I, I totally understand and I think yeah. that's, a, that's a really really good way to put it because when you think about kind of the way the game flow worked against DC United on Saturday night you had in the 65th minute you had Scott Arfield come in for Brant Bronica. Right. I actually think that role could just be simply reversed. Because one thing, if I were to... If, 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 right. if I you get were, a lead. Yes. And then you bring in the guy who, who can close out a lead. Exactly. So if I, if I were to uh, identify one issue that I think Charlotte FC is having mm-hmm. at the Fortress, I think one thing that's really holding them back is the inability to finish chances in the first 20 minutes of the game. Right, yeah, because we come out like gangbusters. Every time. Yeah, and teams are not ready for us. Right, I think that's true. And Christian Latanzio has to be aware that his team performs unbelievably well in the first 25 minutes at home every single match. And because of that, you need finishers on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You need guys that are going to take their chances in the first 20 minutes and give Charlotte FC a one nothing lead, maybe even right. a 2 Two nil lead. Right, change the match. Then all of a sudden you got options. Then it's like, oh, I can deploy this person here to to, to hold on to what we've got. Instead, we're not chasing. Right, and and I think I think what what has what has happened is is that we've set ourselves up to chase with guys like Scott Arfield on the bench, with players like Patrick Ajemong on the bench with players like Kerwin Vargas on the bench. You're talking about guys that can come in late in the match and have a massive impact offensively. But what if we decided to tactically switch things up and have guys on the bench that could come in and really help you defensively in that last 20 right. minutes where Charlotte FC has traditionally been nervy right. and given up late goals. I felt like, you know, no disrespect. I'm not gonna, I hope this doesn't count as disrespect coming from me, but I just felt like DC showed no respect whatsoever to Ben Bender. They were just like we would move the ball and attack up our, through our left side all night against DC, and Ben would just be standing on the right wing. And they, maybe they just didn't see him out there, but it seemed more like they were like, well, he's not a threat. We'll just leave it, you know. They knew that they could leave him because they know some of our players, not just Ben, some of our players are the type of guys who the ball comes to them and they're wide open, but they're going to take touch, touch, tap, touch, dribble to sort of get their bearings. And they know they can just close in on him. And they like we don't have to defend him before he gets the pass because we have plenty of time to close right. on him. And we have too many guys that do that. We need more one touch action. Arfield's the perfect remedy for that. I, I'm with you. Start Scott Arfield now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Get him. Get him started. Get him in the game. Get Jalen Lindsay in the match as well. Um, I, I think you could start Kerwin Vargas if you really wanted to. Kerwin Vargas Vargas did start in in the match against Philadelphia on the road. So maybe he comes back in again on that right wing for Ben Bender there. If Carol Swiderski isn't pushed out mm-hmm. to the wing, I think Camille Uzviak and Justin Miram are two players that uh, potentially could be under consideration for a left wing position. And remember, this is all if Enzo Capetti and Carol Swiderski don't start. Yeah. Because if they do both start yet again, then there's really only one right. wing position up for grab because Breck Diagre is going to play the left wing. Yeah, so what I would do, if it, you had, what I would do, if I, so I bring Jalen in for burn and then I keep the same back line. Um, I, th- I wish Carujo was. We got to do a like a, a special deep dive, like what, where in the world is Guzman Carujo? Episode at uh, some point, not today, but uh, then midfield. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take care of the midfield. I'm going to put him at the quote unquote right wing. Tell him you're actually playing, you know, the the Frank Ribery, uh, Aryan Robin, Daylon Kuchyshevsky, like cut in role for sure, and then. Uh, Enzo Stryker, keep Brecht on the left wing, but again, he's going to have to be cutting it again. So our fullbacks are going to have to get up. And then you put Scott at Arfield in for that spot that Carroll vacated. 
So you actually, you can, and then I would probably put Jones in for for Bronny. I think I think I don't start Bronny here. I put Jones in, but if it is Bronny, that's fine with me. The key is to sit Ben, who's better as a sub in general. Just is, is right now he's got a long career ahead of him, but right now he's better as a sub. Uh, start Carroll up there. Put Arfield in the middle. And Enzo's on the bench. No, Enzo's in, Enzo's the striker. Oh, I see. If, if Enzo's on the bench, then you have Carroll as the nine, and maybe Vargas, like you said, comes okay. in for sure. Yeah. yeah. So there's options. Or right. Yosviak. And, and, and the reason, and, and I think the, the theme of the show right now for me is I brought up the 18 players available. I'm talking about changes. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the manager right, and right. the options. Hey, what is that? There's eight games left in the season. We're like, well, maybe this guy could play. Maybe this guy could play. That's that's the problem. Uh, that, that's the question of de- do you have depth or do you just not have a, a real team? I think you've got a real team, and, and, I, and I think yes. you've got a lot of egos, uh, and you've got a lot of issues right now happening mm-hmm. within the squad, and I think it's really difficult. There's been a lot of change. There's been newcomings. Erin uh, mm-hmm. and Scott Arfield. Yeah. And Enzo Capetti. I consider Enzo Capetti a mid-year right. addition, too, because remember, right. he was out so long with that hamstring injury. So you've got guys that can play meaningful minutes and have an impact injected into the squad over the last month, and it's kind of changing the chemistry a little bit. I'm not saying, it, I'm not saying it's a, in a bad way. It's just you, you can't be figuring things out right now. You, you can't be testing things. You need to be putting players on the pitch that know how to score goals. And, and Scott Arfield can do that, so he's, he's in there. I think Jalen Lindsay right. is, is more of a threat to goal than, than Nathan Byrne by quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, Byrne was known for being an attacking fullback in the championship, but now I know him as more sort of a defensive stopper and just sort of yeah. the track back, like a fire, a fi- put, put out the fire man type of guy. Right. And then, of course, you're going to have the gemstone Ashley Westwood in the middle. Yeah. Speaking of Ashley what? Westwood and Carol Severski, I saw them enjoying the Panthers game on Monday Night Football. Love that. Uh, saw them both hanging out, watching. Um, you know, what, what was interesting is um, I think, uh, you know, not counting field goals. Uh, Bryce Young, I think he scored a touchdown with like a couple minutes left. Garbage time, yeah. Garbage time touchdown. I mean, you're talking about 90 minutes of action on Saturday. Almost four quarters of action on Monday night in that stadium without a goal or a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this community is being starved right now. And that's how I feel. I'm fucking hungry. We need goals, yeah. I'm so sick of this no-goal bullshit. I this mean, team is this team is equipped to score two, three goals a game, yeah. especially at home. That, that's kind of something I've been saying is that I really do believe the dam could burst. I think I think we're we're working to create the chances. I think there was a post game press conference moment uh, after DC where Latanzio was asked, you know, like, are you telling these guys they need to shoot more? And he's like, well, I don't like to tell my players what to do around the box. They know what they need to do in the final third and my, my job is to get them there in, in good positions and stuff like that and then they, they yep. there's talent can take over and I agree with that philosophically at the same time like I hope they're like hammering home like it's got to be more aggressive just like create shots get up get the XG up get shots on frame um, we had a couple good chances I really liked what I saw from Patrick what Patrick manhandles attackers out there I'm more like I hope referees are understanding that like he's so what He's so good at like getting around guys physically without fouling them, but it looks like a foul just because like he's bigger. It's, it's unfortunate. Well, the, the yeah. thing that I'm confused about. There was one really bad instance of that as well. And the thing that I need to just kind of come to grips with is when Patrick Ajemong subs on the pitch and he plays for 15 minutes, it takes me five minutes to just kind of notice how much better he is than Enzo Capetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, do, it takes like no time yeah. whatsoever. 
So I, I think that I, I, I think that the club has found itself in this really precarious situation. And that is you're talking about your highest paid player mm-hmm. and a player that came out of nowhere. And I looked it up. I said 75K earlier. He makes like $67,000, Patrick Ajimondo. He makes $1,200 a week. And I mean, he, it's nice to be better. I just, I don't, you know what it takes? You know what it takes to start him over Enzo Capetti? It takes like the biggest I don't give a fuck attitude yeah, yeah, yeah. that you could ever have as a manager. Yeah. It's it's so easy just to put Carolins and Capetti out there yeah. and say, these are our guys, and Ajman sits on the bench, mm-hmm. and he's a young guy, and we're bringing him along, and he's going to get a contract, mm-hmm. and we're hopefully we'll extend him and get him here, and he, he you know, Kyle Swiderski's on his way out. Here, how about this? How about this? The future's now. Right. There's, right. there's no better time than the now. Right. St. Louis is going to the playoffs. <laughs> Why aren't we? <laughs> you know? I mean, you're talking about a guy named Patrick Ajumong who impacts right. the game tremendously every time right. he's on the pitch. Right. And sometimes he's not even in the fucking squad. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, St. Louis is retooled on the fly with guys they brought in as well. They they lost uh, Jao Klaus when they're their big striker. Yeah. They got this guy, uh, Azil Jackson, who who wasn't a starter for them at the beginning of the year. Absolutely crushing. They got a guy, Sam Adeneron. So, uh, you know, not not that – I mean, I hate St. Louis, SC, FC, LT, County, <laughs> City, Dog Food, <laughs> Factory, United. But, I mean, uh, props to them for doing well. They've actually created – they actually are kind of a fun team to watch if you're neutral. Sad. I, I, it doesn't make me sad. I mean, it's just like I look at it and I say, hey, like, why, why can't, you know, Charlotte right. FC should be able to accomplish the right. same thing. Right. And, they, and by the way, this team is really close. Yeah. And I think, I think anyone who's listening to this episode and is this far in, I appreciate you. And we're going to get out of here in just a few minutes, going to make an official prediction for the match. Mm-hmm. And you might, can you just quickly, it's just, a, I'm worried. Can we do a formal, don't take it personal, en- Enzo Army out there? We, we, don't not, we don't need Enzo's Army in the fan base coming after Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean,. <laughs> Realistically, we still we want Enzo to be great. No, and, and we want this club to be great. Okay, I, I'll um, I'll talk to Enzo's army specifically right now, and I'll just kind of lay out exactly what the situation is. Is en- Enzo Capetti? Like, I, I could care less. I could not care less what he does for the rest of the season. I really don't, because what Enzo Capetti is for me in this moment is just the security blanket. If and when Carol Sudersky decides to leave. Mm-hmm. Because when Carol decides to leave, there's Enzo Capetti. And then mm-hmm. this drama, this failure to communicate, mm-hmm. this inability to play together is now gone. Mm-hmm. Enzo's here. You paid the big transfer fee for him. Mm-hmm. You pay him a big wage. And now you can inject him into as your starting striker. And Patrick Ajimong is right there to push him and you yeah. know potentially take over in the future if that's mm-hmm. what happens. So there's 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 no commentary there's no communication there's no thought of shipping Enzo out of town Carol's leaving right right it's, it's and, well and understood Carol's leaving yeah so in the, so so hear me out now if, if, if you know Carol's leaving and you know that this next run of games might be the last run of games you ever get Carol Swiderski for the uh, the run in right the run out of an MLS season fast forward to this time next year it's September 19th uh-huh. It's September 19th, 2024. We're sitting here at Brakeman's Coffee and Supply. What odds would you give for Carol Sudersky to be on this squad? Zero. 
this time next year? Yes. He won't survive two windows. He won't even survive one, but he'll definitely won't survive two. So you have an asset and you have a finite amount of time to get the best out of him. Right. That time is now. Yeah. And the Enzo army, everyone who's a fan of Capetti as a lone striker, as a, as a player that can score goals, hey, I, I don't disagree with any of that. What I'm saying is his, his time will come. Right. But his time is not now. Kyle Swiderski's time is right now. We thought he was the prince that was promised. He turned out to be more of the knight's king. And, and uh, his, his invasion has been delayed. He will storm the battlefield eventually. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, here in, in I, I, you know, if we, if we want to go with the royal theme, we can. And I think this kind of explains the situation beautifully is we didn't call him the king. We called him the prince. Yeah. Yeah. We already had a king and it was yeah. King Carol. Yeah. So Enzo, I'm sorry. Right. You, you've got to wait in line. Now he's, he's the petulant prince for sure. The prince and of petulance. When Carol Swiderski plays 75 minutes and he's playing well, or 70 minutes, or 65 minutes, mm-hmm. and you need to make a change, sure, bring on Enzo Capetti. Yeah. Or and, and then Ajiman can be that player that, you know, a little late with the substitution. 75 minutes, not terrible. But, you know, t- five minutes earlier, six, seven minutes earlier, to give him that full 20 would have been nice. Then Patrick Ajiman can get that. You know, I know it's hard to think, oh, you're going to play three strikers in a match. Well, yeah, you, you can do it if you manage your time well. You absolutely can do it. I mean, I... Yeah, if I'm you're just, playing a shit opponent like DC United and you got two goals on him in the first half and now you're just playing around. But we didn't do that. We didn't take yeah. care of business. Yeah, so I... I, I um, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. I feel like this team can win on Wednesday against Philadelphia. If this team shows up with one goal in mind mm-hmm. and that is to put the ball in the back of the net right and I know that sounds really simple for the game of soccer where it's like no shit you want to score mm-hmm. goals but no I forget the system mm-hmm. forget the passage of play right it's like just like play like you played as a kid just play for the joy of the game and like just find joy out there and you'll win that's what I think like, yes <laughs> yeah. like, like right now everyone's playing for their priorities Enzo's, pl- Enzo's priority, if, if I can like psychoanalyze from afar, I, you know, again, I hate putting thoughts in people's head, but this is the way I see things. Enzo is playing for the glory of Enzo. That's his motivation. Because, and it's like glory for glory's sake. He just wants, he just wants the name Enzo Capetti to be great. And that's every, his major motivation. Carol is playing with a, I've got to do this now because my time is running out and this is my window. And this is how I get to the next level to set myself up for the rest of my life. And I only have a short time to do it. So that's like two sort of compete, like different drives. And the fact of the matter is, we've gone, I'm not going to rehash everything we just spent the whole episode talking about, but neither of those is good or healthy. The drive needs to be get this club to the playoffs. Both guys need to swallow their pride. And, and again, we talk about, I talk about how the Enzo Army's come after us. The Carroll Army doesn't really exist. So, but it's really not about one or the other. It's about I'm calling out both guys. Carroll's my favorite player on this team. Enzo is not. I'm calling them both out equally and saying, swallow your fucking pride and work together for the glory of the crown and let's get to the goddamn playoffs. If we miss this playoffs in our second year, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's <laughs> They're going to have to lower season ticket prices, not keep them flat. <laughs> uh, it's the Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Thanks for listening to the show. You can follow us online on X at For the Crown Baby. You can follow me at John Hayes on Air. Follow Danny at Danny Brams. A lot to discuss. And we've got a special episode coming out this week as well. It's a big episode, and <laughs> the reason why is because we've created a new phrase. We, we, we say Charlotte is Soccer City, and we're going to officially start making a list. 
the Soccer City Legends. And we've got our first Soccer City Legend on the show. The inaugural Hall of Fame inductee. It's Jorge Herrera. It's somebody who we're going to celebrate him and his career. We're going to talk to him on the show. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out that episode in this feed as well. Hip, hip, Jorge. (laughs) He's somebody that um, a lot of OGs here in Charlotte who love the game of soccer will know, will know really well. He's overworking with the Academy for Charlotte FC. And you're really going to like that conversation. So make sure you stick around for that. And before we go, what's your official prediction for, for Wednesday night against Philly? 4-0 Charlotte. <laughs> 4-0 would be Wait, a... Sorry. If they if they put the NFL lines on, 4-0 Charlotte. If not, then uh, yeah. then I'm going to say 2-0 Charlotte. We, we better get those NFL yeah. lines out there. Just leave them on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Monday, yeah. Monday yeah. to Wednesday. Well, yeah. Save save uh, save some cash. Don't play the overtime. It really uh, did overtime. get in Philly's head last year. So Yeah, it I mean, did. Yeah. Um, so Philly's going to be coming down here. Philadelphia uh, easily handled Charlotte FC at their stadium. You were in the building. I, I was in the building, and... Uh, I think Charlotte has a chance to potentially do that at home against Philly. I am going to say that we are looking at, you know, I I think that Charlotte FC is going to push for goals here. I think they understand what we've discussed. I think there's no doubt about the fact that in the facility they're having the conversation about, hey, we got to score goals. We can't come out of the game at home with zero goals. Sure, let's give credit to the keepers and the defense for keeping a clean sheet. Do that again. Uh, but you got to go out there and score goals because of that. What I do think it does is opens you up and exposes you at the back just a little bit when you're so prioritized uh, uh, getting forward. So I think Charlotte FC does score a goal. I think Philadelphia does too as well. So I'm going to predict a 1-1. I'm going to predict another draw on Wednesday night. And uh, when, when, you, when you look back at, at the history of this club this season, draws just seem to be coming um, – Fast and Furious, and according to Jalen Lindsay, that's okay. You get you one step closer to your goal. It does. You know? So, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get two points out of it. I feel uh, like nine. if we draw every single – if we had a guaranteed draw the rest of the way, including the two Miami games, I think that actually might get us in, but I'm just – I'm worried that, you know, we're going to lose a game all the way. So, okay. I don't want to rely well, on Well, hearing you say that, I'd be, fi- I'd be fine with the draw. Yeah. I just think a, another scoreless draw would be really, really disappointing. Yeah, we need wins. We need goals. And, I mean, oh, and the last point I'll make is – and I've tweeted this out – how crazy is it that on Saturday night the the three matches that were critical for an MLS Eastern Conference playoff spot all mm-hmm. ended nil nil? Right. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to step up and claim a playoff spot. Pathetic. And, and, and I think that should be used as right. as motivation. Right. Uh, for this Charlotte FC team, look who you're going up against. It's, it's not like right. it, it's it, Miami didn't even show up with Messi. Right. The team that everybody thought would be climbing up the Eastern Conference. Right table all of a sudden people are saying oh they're prioritizing the u.s open yeah. cup championship and it's going to be really difficult for for charlotte shout, fc or shout for, out for to, Messi. shout out to the atlanta fans who actually did go to that game I, a lot of atlanta fans woke up tweeting how sad they were about uh, Messi not playing but they actually did show up to the game so congratulations to you so i mean maybe this episode uh, come off, came off a little bitchy came off a little moany came off you know the vibes weren't that great i think danny danny brought brought good vibes to the table and i think um, I think that's a good thing, and I appreciate you doing that because the opportunity is there. Like I, and and that's, we've, we've always yeah, been optimists on the show, and the right. opportunity is there. And I don't think it's, it's not the right time to dig your heels in and say this situation sucks right. considering there's a match on Wednesday night and a match on Saturday night. Right. But come Sunday morning. Right. It is a good idea to look down on the ground, though, 
maybe get a stick and just draw a little X in the spot where you plan to dig your heels in in the very near future if we don't start scoring some goals, you can definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Ace. He's Danny Brams. And as always, it's for Matthews, baby.